Also, it wasn't like a, a brony, in parentheses, derogatory. Wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't no, get a, out! Wasn't a thing uh, until like semi-recently, okay. you know? So I think that he was just a person who likes My Little Pony. Brony, in parentheses, derogatory? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Stranger Things Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, um, what is your favorite, like, carnival or, like, fair food? Yeah. Um, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, uh, we spent, like, two minutes at the carnival. And to that we say, we'd like to talk about the carnival, please. Yes, please. Listen, we saw it and had a visceral reaction. We have been in lockdown for a year. I want to go to a carnival. (laughs) There's a fair in my town every year, and uh, they did not have it last year, obviously. Mm -hmm. I assume they're not having it this year. What's yours called? Westerner it's, it's the same fair, right? I don't know. Because it's like, it's the fair that travels from the Stampede upwards. Probably. Because it's like Stampede, then probably Westerner, and then yeah. K-Days. And that's like all the same thing. I think it is. It's yeah. probably the exact same thing. But ours is called Westerner Days in Red Deer. That's cute. I like that. Yeah. Um, but my favorite food at the fair, at Westerner Days or like any fair in general, is deep fried Oreos. Ooh, yes. good choice. I used to work at the fair. I would I would work uh, in the concessions though. So like I didn't work at the fair. I worked at the the stadium that hosted the fair. The air conditioned part, basically. exactly. And yeah. so I was like doing uh, like giving people food. Uh, like, I don't know, chicken strips and stuff. Like, I guess stuff mm-hmm. that they didn't want to buy outside. I don't freaking know. Chicky, chicky, <laughs> I was always like, why are you here instead of getting other things? Air but, conditioning. That's true. Therefore, I was at the fair, like, every single day. And I would come home from the fair, from work, every day with a thing of deep fried Oreos. Because it was my opportunity to Good. have deep fried Oreos. As you should. And I would have six deep fried Oreos every single day during the <laughs> fair. How are you alive? Because I brought myself joy in that moment. Exactly. If you have never tried deep fried fried Oreos, you have to. Do no, they're hear, very good. Do you want to hear something deeply sad? Oh, okay. this is this is very related this and is, sad. I'm, I'm bummed ordered, out already. I ordered deep fried Oreos last night and they never arrived. Why? They they weren't in my in the bag that came with the other stuff that I ordered. Yeah. Where did you order that from? Man vs. Kitchen. Interesting. Well, yeah. it's in, it's nice to know that that's a possibility. They have deep fried Oreos, deep fried cookie dough. Mm-hmm. And I've had that that too. And I deep like fried deep fried cheesecake. But yeah, deep fried Oreos is the best. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And which is why I was sad that I got everything else I ordered except the that thing I wanted. That whole night was a bust. Oh my god, yeah. Say, <laughs> my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31 year old writer and artist from beautiful post apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. I don't need to say that I'm from Vancouver. All of us are from the same place. We are now. We sure are. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite fair food is a uh, cliche, but it's a classic and it's mini donuts. Mm. Nice. I love myself and I love mini donuts. Mm-hmm. I love that we all have a different one. I yeah. genuinely kind of thought we were all going to choose mini donuts, so I'm really happy we didn't. Oh, uh, I, like, like I said, I worked in the concessions at like our hockey arena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I worked mostly, I was the supervisor. I mean, I worked there for nine, over nine years. Um. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And so for the past, for the last, like, I want to say three or four years, I was the supervisor of the ice cream concession. Mm -hmm. Nice. And the last two years of those three or four years, we sold mini donuts. 
And so I can't look at mini donuts. What? I'm so sad. They were good. Like, I just, like. You just get sick of them. I've just seen a lot of them. And, and, and also, um, like. Robin, just, are they bad? No. Okay. They're not bad. It's just that um, when you smell mini donuts for five hours, it's mm. a lot. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I bit take of an your over. point. Yeah. Bit of an oversaturation yeah. there. All right. I take your point. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. You can find my words at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OT please. You know what? You do like over 40s OT please. <laughs> OT please kiss. OT please kiss. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My favorite fair food is a funnel cake. Mm. Oh. I love a funnel cake. Do you want to hear where I had my first funnel cake? Disney World. Disney World! And it, it was great. I like that all of ours are kind of in the same family. Yeah, yeah it's, we it's like fried dough. Fried dough. dough. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if my cousin was on this, she would say corn dogs, which is just more just, fried It's just another dough. fried yeah. thing. Yeah. I love I corn dogs is my second favorite. I have yet to find a good corn dog in Vancouver. It's one of the few things I have. Well, we, we should go to that. We haven't tried. We have to go to the Korean place on Robson. You're right. Emily said it was really good. It's yeah. like all corn dogs, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and every time I walk by there from the bus stop, it's like popping. Okay, let's yeah. do that this week. So um, there's always like so many people in the line. Let's do it this week, and we'll order it on an app so that we don't have to get in line. Okay. Okay. Ooh, I'm excited. Me too. Today we have words to say about episode 306 of Stranger Things, E Pluribus Unum. This episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons 1, 2, and 3 of Stranger Things. Wahoo. <laughs> so, um, it is the American motto mm-hmm. for the title, and it is Latin for out of many, one, which of course is uh, not only a reference to it almost being July 4th, Mm-hmm. But also, um, like the monster the and monster, how like, all of these people are coming in creates to one the one mind flare. Yeah. What mm-hmm. does that mean for America? Like, out of many like states, I think it's one like, country. I, all of America, all the Americans are coming together to make one country. I think under yeah, God, it's, indivisible it's, with liberty and justice for all. I did it. Yes, basically, it's it's just basically about unity and like. Yes, out of patriotism. Patriotism. And Someone like tattooed that on a Republican's forehead. But I'm sitting. I'm literally sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like, really wish we weren't so individualistic. If this is our freaking motto, right? You know? Like, hello, I'm founding you, fathers. Who? It's the, it's the commie scare that happened. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't want communism. I'm a socialist. But like, people got so scared of communism and the Russians, which is relevant to this, which is why I feel justified saying it, that it was just individual above all. Oh, so true. On the Stranger Things wiki, it mentioned, on December 9th, 2018, a teaser trailer for the third season was published across social media, listing the titles of the eight episodes, the sixth of which was The Birthday. Huh? So this ti- this episode was, e- either they decided to put a different title in, or this episode was originally called The Birthday, which doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. Yeah, I was going to say, who's, like, the monster's birthday? Day? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, America's birthday? Isn't that next episode? Yeah. I don't know. But, so yeah. So, we split this episode, if you can believe it, into three storylines. Um, It's the same freaking storyline well, that we always have. What? The the fourth starts that day. Like, that morning is the fourth. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Sure. Either way, this episode is not called the birthday, and uh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, this I, is a much better title. I was about to say, this episode, this, uh, title makes way more sense. So yeah, we split this episode up into the same storylines that we always do, and so we're gonna start with Scoops. Scoops Ahoy! Scoop, 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 scoop,
Scoop, scoop, scoop up. <laughs> Get out. Koopa <laughs> Troop. All right, this is my summary of the Scoops Ahoy storyline. Okay. Jumping back into where we left our heroes last episode, they are staring at the scary machine. Steve and Dustin immediately clock that this is the gate. They don't have time to explain it to the girls. They start to try to leave, but Erica notices that the guy Steve knocked out isn't here. They're found out, so they have to start running. They walk into a room with a million other guys in it. They run away, getting way too close to the beam of light, and get into another room. Steve and Robin hold the door closed as Erica and Dustin get away through a vent in the floor. Later, Dustin and Erica are in the floor vents trying to get past a giant spinning fan. Erica has now heard what happened for the last two seasons and totally believes everything except for the fact that Lucas was there. She does some crazy math and Dustin realizes that Erica is a nerd because she knows a lot about math and politics and My Little Pony, which he proves by reciting the storyline of the latest My Little Pony episode. <laughs> he gets the fan turned off and then they can move forward. Elsewhere, Steve is getting interrogated about who he's spying for. He's getting beat pretty badly and trying to tell them that he just works for Scoops Ahoy, but they don't believe him. They knock him out and bring him into another room where they tie him up with Robin, who is super worried about him. Dustin and Erica find a room filled with the green liquid. They also find a vehicle. While Dustin finds some keys, Erica grabs an electric stun baton and they get going. Robin screams for help and Steve wakes up to tell her to be quiet. She says they can move over to the side to grab some scissors, but when they try, they fall over. She confesses that she knew him before this summer and that they had a class together. He doesn't remember her, but she thought he was so interesting. He tells her that everything he had that she wanted was not all it was cracked up to be, and he wishes things had been different. The evil guys come back in and Steve is injected with this super scary blue liquid. Later, having been totally drugged, Robin and Steve giggle a bunch. When the dudes come back in, they tell them the same info but loopy now. They threaten to remove Steve's fingernail and Robin starts talking. She tells them about the code and how dumb they are. Steve starts spilling too much, talking about Dustin and Hopper and everything. An alarm sounds and they rush out to find that Dustin and Erica burned a hole in the ground. <laughs> they come in and use the stun baton to knock out the doctor. They start releasing Steve and Robin. I, I, Ooh. there was a lot in this yeah. storyline. I, uh, I think it's interesting, like, once you start to get to the back half of the, the, um, episodes that, like, the beginning of this episode is, like, cutting off right from a huge thing. It, like, there isn't really much of, like, a swell. Um, I feel like usually in episodes, at least in the beginning of the seasons usually, the episode starts, like, everything's chill. Oh, oh everything's yeah. crazy. And then, oh, everything's chill again, right? And that's kind of how it is. But I think it's funny that, like, closer to the end of the, of the episodes. You and get thrown into the chaos. It's kind of, like, crazy stuff chill stuff, crazy stuff instead, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's also true for the kids' storyline as well. Oh, for that, sure. Like, it starts with crazy, 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 and then we kind of chill out, and then it's crazy, crazy, crazy again, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you gotta take yeah. some time for relationship drama. Right. Well, and, like, the pacing changes the more, cl the closer you get to the climax, so it's mm -hmm. like, you have to switch it up so that it's getting ramped up more and more mm -hmm. when you leave the episode instead of like, okay, well, I don't have to watch the next one. No, I have to watch the next one right, right now. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely um, also part of, like, this is the only show that we cover that is a Netflix show um, that, like, comes out in one in piece yeah. um, where it's like you can watch the next one right now instead mm -hmm. of there needing to be, like, sort of a resolution because you have to wait a week. Yeah. You know? Which works for some shows, but um, I have learned even as a viewer, I don't want that for all shows anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Dustin and Steve immediately clock that this is the gate, and Robin is like, hey, have you uh, seen this before? And they're like, no? Because, I mean, technically they weren't there. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they're like, I mean, kind of no. They've seen, like, the 
the tunnel's away from it. Yeah. Um, and they're like, yeah, this is, like, end of the human race bad. It's not good. Um, and they keep asking how they know, but, like, they just don't have time to explain it right now. Erica notices that the dude is gone, and they, yeah, they've totally been found out. And they, like, are not at all trying to hide. Like, they're all just standing there. I know. I'm like, are you guys not concerned anymore? Mm-hmm. Or? Uh, and they run into the control room by accident, which has, like, just so many people in it that I'm like, come on, you guys. It's such a <laughs> comedy, though. It's so cute. Yeah, it's like you forgot that there was a million people in that one. You just saw it. Listen, maybe so. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, like, last episode, they were so lucky when they got here that, like, they were only spotted by one person, even though there mm-hmm. were so many around, and just, like, deeply unlucky just, like, two minutes later. <laughs> it was like, you gotta get them in. After that, not a- <laughs> Right. All bets are off. So they run away, and Dustin, like, pushes the hazmat guy, and Steve pushes another guy. The same guy, question mark? Because I think it would be funnier if it was just the same guy. No, I also think that's funnier. Okay, great. <laughs> but they get so close to the scary beam. Um, yeah. Like, what happens if you get, like, thrown in there? You just I get disintegrated, right? I was just about right? to ask. I was like, if you touch it, you don't go somewhere, right? Like, no. You, you must just melt to a crisp. Yeah, because uh, didn't we see at the beginning of the, yeah, of the season, we see, like, all people those get guys. melted. Why? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, mostly this scene is just a lot of running. Um, they are almost surrounded, but then they, like, throw barrels at them, and they run through the heavy door. Steve tries to hold the door, but, like, he's just one guy, so mm-hmm. Robin has to come and help him. And they make Dustin and Erica escape through them through some vents. Dustin wants them to come with, but Steve said that, just to go. Do you think the door holding is a Jurassic Park reference? Yes. I actually thought that when we were watching it, it immediately left my brain. It's 100% Alan and Ellie sending yeah. the kids out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because the kids are trying to hack the computer, Mm -hmm. and Alan and Ellie have to hold the door to keep the Mm -hmm. raptors from getting in. So as Dustin and Erica are escaping, Dustin says, I won't forget you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, just go, you dramatic... You're dramatic. Steve's like, crap. Steve's like, I'm not dead yet. It's funny because before when the stakes were low, Dustin was like, if you die, I die. And now he's like, bye, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, like, conveniently, now that they're gone, the guards now open the door. But they totally saw that there were four of them. Like, there's no way that they ran through that whole thing and were like, oh, I guess it was just two. I don't know. Can you imagine <laughs> if they really did think that, though? Yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I guess I was just seeing things. Yeah. And uh, now they're surrounded, so they're kind of screwed now. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's what they wanted, you know? Like, I feel like Steve sitting there getting beat up, he doesn't regret anything he did, you know? He's like, I would rather it be me sitting here than Dustin, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So later we have Dustin and Erica in the vents and they can't get through because of a fan so they're trying to turn that off. Dustin explains everything that happened in the first two seasons and Erica is just weirded out that Lucas was a part of this. I love that she believes all of it except for the fact that her brother was involved. She's like, he's not cool enough for this. Right, exactly. It's funny because before he's like, so you believe all of this but not the fact that Lucas was there. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. She's like, "Uh uh-huh. And I'm like, is that true or are you just saying that as a joke? Like, she has to just be saying that as a joke, right? No, I think she believes it. That she actually thinks that Dustin's saying all of these things and just adding the fact that Lucas was there? Yeah, because yeah, Lucas is- She's a girl who doesn't like her brother. And Lucas, Lucas is not cool enough. Erica, you're smarter than that, my guy. Dustin's, <laughs> not, <laughs> Dustin's not very good at lying. <laughs> Erica, you're smarter than that, my guy. Yeah. She's just- She fully thinks yeah. that he is saying that Dustin was there for street cred. Or Lucas, yeah. Or Lucas was there for street cred. Yeah. And, uh, he wasn't there. He's not cool enough. It's, it's the, it's the line from Spy Kids. Our parents can't be spies. They're not cool enough. They're not cool enough. (laughs) Uh, It also turns out that Lucas's middle name is Charles. 
So we have that. All right. I wonder if that's his dad's name. Oh, cute. Who knows? Yeah, I'm just like, that delivery of that line where she's like, yep, that's correct, is just very good. Yeah. Uh, she is such a good little actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she starts complaining because Dustin's taking too long to fix the fan. And if we don't get out soon, then Steve and Robin are just going to be um dead. And so then she starts saying that they've made it 0.3 miles in nine hours, which seems like way too small of a... A thing. Yeah, what what is that math based on? I don't uh she's just guessing, I think. Three hours down the tunnel, ten miles back to the elevator should take twelve point five days. At first I thought that maybe she was like hyperbolizing because point three miles in nine hours seems like a very small amount. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it could be that because they've been sitting there working on that fan for a really long time too. That's true. And they were crawling too. Hmm. But I'm like, I was under the impression that it hadn't been nine hours that Steve had been, like, tied up there. But I guess it was the middle of the well, night. Well, I mean, it, Maybe it she kind of makes sense. Whole... I think that they, like, since they fell. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, because yeah. because it's it could easily have been nine hours since then. Because Joyce and Hopper, it was, like, the middle of the night. And they went all the way to Indiana. Right. Or, yeah. or uh, Illinois. Illinois, yeah. I think it's that one. Okay. And so he's like, whoa, did you do that in your head? Oh my god, you're a nerd too. And she's like, um, take that back. And he's like, uh, no. Uh, you're good at math. You know politics. You love My Little Pony. And Dustin also knows all these things about My Little Pony because it's a nerdy show. It's true. I don't want to, I don't want Dustin to be a brony. I'm scared. I don't- Listen, being a brony was a thing, like, within the past, like, 20 years. And I think, I think to be a brony, you have to be an adult. Ooh, yeah. good point. He's just a He's kid, just who, a likes kid who likes TV shows. Got it. Also, it wasn't like a, a brony, in parentheses, derogatory. Wasn't a thing uh, until like semi-recently, okay. you know? So I think that he's just a person who likes My Little Pony. <laughs> brony, in parentheses, derogatory? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moment where Erica's like, well, why do you know about My Little Pony? Trying to be like, haha, you like a girl's show, or like, whatever. And Dustin's like, because I'm a nerd. Because I'm a damn nerd. Yeah. yeah. I love his owning it and like using it as evidence in this moment. It's it's it, really good. It's so cute. It's exactly what I would have done. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. Because I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna own the fact that I know things about My Little Pony and I know that they're nerdy and I enjoy it because I know that I'm a nerd. And I'm also just a little boy. And also, it's kind of cooler to just own being a nerd than, like, being a nerd in secret. It's true, because I was a nerd in secret for many years. I was a nerd before it was cool to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. I like this better. Yeah. 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 Um, and so then they finally get past the fan. Honestly, congratulations to them. Next scene, Steve gets punched in the face. Honestly, what else is new for him? Yeah. Uh, it seems like he's been punched a lot already as well. Does he have brain damage? <laughs> like, this poor man. Honestly, Maybe. He spends so much of this season, especially, just getting the crap beaten out of him. That's why he can't write an essay. Mm. Oh, bless. And, like, wait, can you imagine him using an excuse for Robin at every turn? He's like, I got punched in the face. Robin's like, can you go stack the movies? And he's like, Robin, please. Please. I got punched in the head once. I got punched (laughs) in the head so many times that one day. We always talk about Steve not being able to win a fight, and he's definitely not winning this fight, but that's because it's not fair. No, definitely It's an entirely unfair fight, yeah. yeah. And so the guy's like, who do you work for? His name is Ozarov, or Ozarov, apparently. More like butthead. 
<laughs> yeah. Sure. For sure. Um, he's like, who do you work for? And he's like, I work at Scoops Ahoy. I am quite literally just a curious teen. I... I mean, he's literally telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. My favorite part about this was him being like, look at my outfit. Do you think I just, like, wear this? Do you think this is just my clothes? Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just have a name tag? you think I'd wear a name tag if I was a spy? you think if I was a spy, I would look this dumb? Honestly, I'm surprised that Steve and Robin haven't taken off their name tags. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, they did ditch the hats, but that's about it. Yeah. They were like, wait, how else will people know yeah. my name? So, their lie that... That he sort of comes up with. I wonder if, I don't know if he and Robin had already, like, discussed this being their lie ahead of time or something. But the lie that he goes with is that their delivery didn't come. So they went to go get it from the loading dock and then they, like, just dropped down the elevator. It's actually a really good lie. It's okay yeah. if they don't consider the fact that, like, you need a key card and, like, all these things, you know. And, like, how'd you get past the guns, you know, like that. But hopefully they don't know about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so he's like, yeah, no one knows we're here, and no one's going to know. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Also, I can give you a bunch of ice cream. And I'm like, you already promised Erica ice cream for life. <laughs> Man, also how are you paying for all this ice cream? Yeah, exactly. So the thing that I noticed here that I thought was so funny, when anyone bargains and says, well, no one knows this, you know, we can just walk away from this and no one will know. I'm like, that never works. Mm -mm. It never works. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would even try it. <laughs> yeah. And the dude just laughs because he thinks that he's just making jokes. And they still don't believe him. And then they just, they keep hitting him and he gets completely knocked out. Himbo down. Himbo down. <laughs> Himbo down. So they drag him down the hall into like a more medical type room. And they throw Robin in there too. But she was like less beat up. And at this point, we yeah. talked about this last episode. But Brittany, Brittany was like the, um like, main person on this theory, but, like, I, like, once you said I it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, for sure. Um, the theory was that Robin was a Russian spy, and we had come up with it, or Brittany had come up with it last episode because, and or whatever, you know, and, like, we thought, oh, maybe she's a Russian spy, and this episode and this scene sort of, like, continued that for us because we thought it was interesting, and I think it's mostly probably because she's a girl that they didn't beat her up or whatever, you know? Yeah, which, like, I'm not going to complain about. But yeah, but, like, the fact that she was not beat up at all and the fact that they only slap her when Steve's in the room, even though he's knocked out, and, you know, mm -hmm. there was just, like, a whole bunch of things that we were like, this could still be happening. Yeah, yeah that theory really... could... That theory had water for a quick minute. Yeah. I'm glad that it wasn't true because I like her a lot and I don't yeah. want her to be evil, but I think there was, it had legs to stand on for sure. Yeah. There, there was definitely suspense there. Yeah. I was definitely glad that her big secret was that she's a giant lesbian. Yeah. yeah right. you know? <laughs> and so she tries to wake Steve up and is really mad that he was hurt because they're friends. This episode with Steve and Robin, if we didn't already know that she was like a lesbian and what happens in the rest of the thing, they're really trying to sell it to us. Oh, it's a yeah. beautiful misdirect. Yeah, it's, it's a great. beautiful misdirect. And it's very good. Like, this part, like, would be quite romantic and later in, in the episode would be very romantic if we didn't, like, know what the secret mm -hmm. was. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm impressed. It was very, it was a very good misdirect. It's an interesting scene to watch with the context because you're realizing that, like, what Robin was jealous of was him being able to be unapologetically himself, yep. being able to, like, you know, freely date women, being popular, and, like, she had to stay in the closet. She couldn't have, like, you know, any type of popularity, because, like, what if she got outed? Yeah. And, like, just the ease of his life and the way he just breezed into class with yeah. his bagel and, and <laughs> his breakfast and just, like, not a care in the world, really. 
like, to her. Mm-hmm. Right, um, exactly. And then he's like, well, I did have cares, and uh, <laughs> I am paying for those not cares. <laughs> like, I'm paying for those days every day now. It's just so interesting to see a queer woman talk about, like, how she wishes she'd had a more normal high school experience Mm -hmm. that didn't involve, like, having to repress a part of herself. Like, I thought that was such an interesting conversation to have with someone who was so popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then she also gets hit, and I, I... wanted to point out the fact that if she's just, like, a civilian, like, she's just a person, she was, like, a band geek, right? This is probably the first time that she's ever been, like, hit. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so they get tied up in the chairs, and she's still trying to get him to wake up, and they, like, pull his hair to look at his, like, bloody face, and they're like, oh, man, this guy needs a doctor. (laughs) Like, oh, we have beat this man too much, maybe. (laughs) And so Robin spits in the guy's face. And he just, like, has a handkerchief ready, I guess, because he's like, man, people are always spitting in my face. The thing that I love is Robin's just absolutely unearned and unchecked confidence. She's like, (laughs) I will spit in your face. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so brazen. Mm -hmm. And I respect that. It's hysterical. And he keeps being like, you're going to regret that. And she's like, I don't care. The way I was like, when he said, "Uh, you're going to regret that, I was like, she should just say doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and she's just, like, really pissed, just, like, stuck in this room with an unconscious Steve. I'm like, man, like, she was there for, like, a while. Yeah, literally just, like, asking for him to wake up the entire time. Yeah. So, in the next scene, um, Dustin and Erica seem to have, like, made it to a room where they keep, like, all the green stuff. Mm -hmm. And they find a vehicle, and Dustin doesn't know how to drive, but, like, Max has done it, so it's probably easy. I'm gonna go ahead and say... Incorrect! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, they really, he, he pulls it off, so I'm like, I'm impressed, uh, but the, but Dustin and Max have both driven when there's, like, nobody else on the road. <laughs> As a kid, you pick up on a lot, mm-hmm. but, um, you don't realize the force of how fast something moves yeah. when you mm-hmm. first put your foot on the gas. Yeah, you floor oh, that. So, yeah, you're like, well, this, this should have all like, my weight on. You're like, but they're like, oh no, there's no keys. I'm like, did you think they would just like leave them there? <laughs> they always do in movies. They just keep them in the ignition. But he's like, oh, there's probably a spare somewhere. Honestly, I'm surprised that there were. I'm surprised that he yeah. found some. That's something that only exclusively happens in movies. Yeah. Though, to be fair, if I was like working a go-kart or whatever yeah. at like a my go-kart. place of employment, forklift, whatever. The thing yeah, it's that like this a is, little vehicle thing. Like a golf cart. I would assume that it would have the keys on it or be a push start mm-hmm. because it's like something at work and you can't expect every employee to carry around a key to start the thing mm-hmm. and like that they might need it. All right, you got me there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and at first I was like, oh, it's weird that they just like have a spare in this like little cabinet or whatever. But then when I rewatched it, Dustin, like, breaks into that cabinet using a, su- a screwdriver, mm. so he's just lucky that those keys happen to be in that cabinet. Oh, yeah, he totally yeah. lucked out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it seems like an important cabinet like that should, like, require keys and not just a screwdriver or something, but, <laughs> like, like maybe all of the employees have that key, you know? Yeah, it's probably yeah. just a universal cart key. That's what I would think, yeah. but... No, I mean, like, a, the key to the cabinet that has the keys oh, to the parts in them. So Erica starts asking a little bit more about the Demogorgon, and she finds a stun cane that she'll be ready, and she almost gets Dustin with it. And she's, like, 11, and she's like, I've got a weapon! <laughs> I love this child. I would adopt her if I could. I respect her ingenuity so much. She has so much... She's so smart, she's so resourceful, 
And she has absolutely no fear. <laughs> right. And then Dustin starts being like, okay, well, all we can do is, like, go and get help. Like, the best thing for them will be to go and get help instead of going and attacking them. And, like, they're literally two kids with, like, one weapon. I wonder what, like, changed his mind in that, in that moment, you know? Because they don't go get help. They go and help and, and get them out. I'm guessing, yeah, I kind of wish they'd seen that. But I'm guessing it was sort of one of those, damn it, we gotta go do the right thing yeah. sort of moments. Yeah. So, elsewhere, Robin is yelling for help and just, like, screaming help. And I'm like, bro, who's gonna help you here? Literally, who are you screaming for? I don't... Like, no one here is gonna come in and help you. What are you hollering at? <laughs> and so Steve's like, bro, shut up. Because I bet his head hurts so bad. Oh my god, it's probably pounding. Yeah. And he is clearly doing bad, but then he says he's fine. And she's like, okay, well, they're gonna call you a doctor, so that's good. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and Steve's like, oh, great. Well, I love the vibe of this place. Um, <laughs> but if he's a doctor who works here, I don't feel great about it. He's like, I'm sure their medical services are... Top notch. Top notch, yeah. And so she's like, okay, well, do you see this thing at the... I can't remember which one, if it was his left or his, le- his right or whatever. And he just doesn't know his lefts and rights. Literally, she's like, to your right. <laughs> He's really dumb, but also very relatable. Because yeah. I also, also got, like, multiple concussions. That's true, that's true. Brittany will frequently tell me, turn right up here, and I'll go, okay, and turn left. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, the bitch doesn't know her rights from left. I'm like... You look down. I still look at my fingers. You have to look at your... Like, I instinctively know it, but it makes the L. Wow. No, I... She instinctively knows I know my right from my left. I know the difference. I turn whichever direction I was already looking. (laughs) Oh, okay. See, my sister genuinely can't do two things. She doesn't know her rights from her lefts, and she can't tell time. Hmm. And so, like... It's like, it just, whenever someone's like, oh, I'm turning the wrong direction, I'm like, you're just as dumb as my sister. <laughs> like, I know, the, I know the difference. She I just, I just look, I just pick a, I just pick. Yeah. You just Based confidently on do the wrong thing. Yeah. So Robin tries to explain to him that she wants to move at the same time so they can get the scissors off the table. Um, because clearly she's had a lot of time to, like, look around and think about, like, what plan they want to do, basically. Mm-hmm. genius. And they're like, okay, let's do it. Um, how stupid are these guys leaving scissors in here? Am I right? I mean, she was kind of right, though. Like, what idiots. <laughs> um, and so it starts to work, and of course, like, the third time's a charm, and it works twice, but the, on the third time they fall to the ground. And she starts to laugh, but he thinks she's crying, and so he tries to, like, comfort her. He tries her. to comfort her! It's really yeah. sweet. Would you guys say that was, like, a good guy Steve moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have that written down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she's basically just laughing because her life is so weird. Like, she she literally was, like, like two months ago was just, like, a normal person with normal with a normal life. Mm-hmm. And now she's, like, down here in underneath a mall in a Russian base with Steve Harrington. Held, <laughs> literally held hostage. Yeah. But he says that he believes that they'll get out of it. And she starts, like, bringing up memories because he doesn't remember her from any time they've kind of been in school together. That's really sad. On... I'm going to say IMDb, I assume. Um, It said, While Steve and Robin were tied up and having a heart-to-heart on the floor, the musical cue that plays is from the 1985 film George A. Romero's Day of the Dead, a film the gang all snuck into to see in the first episode of season three. Nice. So Robin starts asking about Mrs. Click's sophomore history class. She said that the band nerds called her Mrs. Clickety-Clackety, and I'm like, that seems like a lot of extra effort. <laughs> yeah, I like would, that's not a nickname. <laughs> it sure isn't. It's like short for. Um, she said it was first period Tuesday and Thursday, and he was always late. My question is, 
and I've kind of answered this question for myself. Okay. But I was like, they're not supposed to be in the same grade. She's supposed to be a year younger than him. So my way of explaining that is that he was held back for history, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like him. But then he also says, oh, maybe I would have passed. So it's like, not only that, but he also failed again in the class that they were together. So he had already failed it, and then he failed it again. It, did this man graduate? Like, did he? Or Unclear. did he just drop out? Unclear. Like, it seemed like... His conversation about college was that, like, he just couldn't get into any colleges rather than, like, he was, like, actually unable to because he didn't graduate? Or was he saying that he couldn't get into colleges because he didn't graduate? I think he graduated, but he he's definitely not someone that graduated with honors. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah, like, I think he, like, passed by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Um, she says that he always brought a bacon, egg, and cheese on a sesame bagel. Stop, I'm hungry. <laughs> and she sat behind him for the entire year, and he was so funny and cool, and he doesn't even remember her. Or he, or she's like, "Do did you even remember me? And he doesn't even say no. She, like, she fully cannot see him, but he doesn't answer, and so she's like, yeah, I didn't think so. I'm pretty sure I had this whole spiel on our podcast about, like, when me and Brittany were watching season three for the first time, Mm -hmm. but I feel very strongly about this, and they have a lot of different examples with Robin and Steve. This scene, and also the scene when they're in the bathroom, conversations where you can't see the other person's face and you're just talking. (gasps) Right. It's like... It's so good for TV mm-hmm. because you get to see each other's... I've definitely had this spiel on that other other podcast, but it's been a while, so I'm going to reiterate it because I feel very strongly about it. But, like, it's so good for TV because um, you get to see... Like, we get to see the person's face, but they know that the other person can't see their face. Mm-hmm. So, they're so that like, means their peak emotional vulnerability. Exactly. They're, like, their faces are very honest because no one else is looking at them. And so they don't have to worry about having, like, a guard or a mask up. And so you get to, like, just see their actual emotions yep. on their face. And people are often more honest when they're not looking at someone's face yeah. than if they were having to say these things while they stared them in the face. You oh, know? fully. Like, if Steve and Robin were tied separately and facing each other, I don't think this scene would have happened. Yeah. Like, I really agree. I straight up just don't think that she would have said this. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I'm just, like, a big fan of scenes like this where um, the two characters are having, like, a really deep emotional conversation, but they but neither of them can actually see each other. Yeah. It's a good, uh, it's good, especially for TV. It's extremely good. And yeah, like I said, they do it twice. They, they do it in the bathroom scene, um, as well, which I think is next episode. Yeah, I was gonna ask, I don't remember when that scene is, because don't they just stash them there because they're super drugged? Well, I'm pretty sure it is next episode, because they have been drugged in this episode. Right. And they get out, and then are accidentally in Back to the Future for a Mm -hmm. a minute, and then they go, like, barf. Right, Right. okay. Right, yeah, because I was gonna say, I'm like, I don't remember what's in the finale and what's not in the finale, but I remember the finale is like, isn't it kind of just like all like action, it's action, literally, action? It's, so. yeah, yeah, it's literally yeah. all the Star Court stuff. Yeah. And so she's like, well, it makes sense that you wouldn't remember me because you were a bad person. And he knows. He knows that he was a bad person. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad. But she says that she was obsessed with him. And looking back, we know that she like kind of wanted to be him and be like him rather than like be with him, which is mm-hmm. kind of what they're trying to tell us. They're trying to like, I'm like, you guys are, this is a misdirect. Yeah. <laughs> but she just wanted to be popular and cool. And Steve says that those things aren't always what they're shaped out to be and says that it's all bullshit except he like pauses before saying it because like that word 
while Steve, does that word have some emotional context and emotional <laughs> meaning for you that Robin doesn't even know about? That's Nancy's word that she used saying that, like, Oh, right. Yeah. Every, like, their so relationship. That, like, break him up. Yeah, their relationship was BS, that he's BS, that, like, everything is, is BS and everything is BS, basically. Man, Nancy was mean to him. Yeah. It, oh, Well, sure. she said it when she was drunk. She was still mean. I'm, yeah, I still... I know, but I'm, I'm not... I'm, I don't think she was conscious of the fact that she was, like, being malicious. I guess my thing about that is that if you feel this bad about your relationship you should have said something before now Mm -hmm. so that it didn't come out like this yeah sure yeah i don't know so robin says that she feels like her life has just kind of been like one big mistake and they both agree that like it's pretty messed up and steve says that he wished that he had known her because maybe she could have helped him pass the class and he maybe could be actually headed up headed off to college right now instead of this and i think that even though we know that robin is not romantically into Steve that like Steve is romantically into Robin by now. Oh, for right? sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think maybe he could like be thinking about it by now, but I don't know if he's like in it. Right. Yet. Fair enough. Right. It's just like kind of the way that he says like I wish I had known you. Is you're like, "Oh, like that's I think he's like starting to think about it." And he's like, "Ah, damn. No one told Dustin." No. And she's like, "Yeah, and if that were true, then I wouldn't know about Russians and or I wouldn't know about these Russians in particular. I probably would know probably things Russians about some in Russians in general." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd be scooping ice cream with someone else, and he's like, "Well, I really enjoyed working with you anyway because it was really fun." And it's it's nice that they get to have this conversation, it's even though they're drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though yeah. they're thrown out of their minds. Yeah. And so Ozarov, the, the like general guy, and then Dr. Zarkov and two other guys come in. And uh, they're like, oh, I noticed that you're on the ground. Nice try, yeah. losers. <laughs> so they get them picked up and they've got this blue liquid and the syringe. I do not love that. I hate that. Um, and then and then he starts like stroking Steve's hair and like making it weird. I'm like, get out of here. Why, like, why does he do that? I remember injecting Steve with the, like, truth serum that they have or whatever was in the trailer, trailer. I, and everyone was like, if that serum turns Steve into that big sludge monster yeah. between Nancy and Jonathan, then we're gonna have a problem. I know, I literally, I wrote my next, or, like, one of my other notes is, I think we saw this in a trailer and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I specifically remember that being in a trailer and being like, I'm really upset. Man, when are we gonna get a trailer for the next season? Who knows? Yeah. I'm begging. But, yeah, he's, like, stroking his hair and I'm like, excuse me, Steve's hair is iconic and beyond reproach. Don't touch it. And he, like, kind of, like, push. he's got, like, a bruise on his face that he, like, pushes in, and I'm like, that's just me. That's, like, unnecessarily mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Steve is obviously just, like, terrified, because he sees this, like, giant syringe coming at him, and he's, like, worried that it's not clean, and I guess I would also be worried about that as well. He, like, screams like a little girl, too, and I'm yeah. like, I get it. Uh, yeah, same. I'm uh, a little girl. And then he gets injected. And it's like, not only are you just like, you know, I've recently been injected with things in my arm, mm-hmm. which is fine, but getting injected in the neck? Oh, no thank Whoa, you. No, no thanks. No. I think earlier I said that they were drugged for this conversation, but they weren't. They are drugged now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oops. They're probably just delirious from right. being punched in the face. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, now they're totally drugged, and they're like, haha, we feel normal, huh? Those stupid heads. Idiots. They messed it up. Um, and they're like, oh wait, no, they didn't mess it up. (laughs) Actually, it's bad. They were just trying to make us feel nice, got it. So the dudes come in again, and Robin's like, I don't like doctors, so actually, can you leave? (laughs) I respect her for that. These tools that we're seeing are not doctor things. These are torture things. Fully. And so they keep asking him, and he still says that he works for Scoops Ahoy. So at what point are you like, hmm, maybe he's telling the truth? Right, because you gave him the truth serum at this point. What what did you think was going to happen? Like, he still is able to lie and say that, like, they found them by accident, which they didn't. So, like, he can still lie. That's the part that's fascinating to me. I'm like, how is he still able to lie about stuff? Well, he lies, but he laughs about it. Oh, right, okay. So there's that. And so they threaten to rip out Steve's fingernail and because they only ever really hurt Steve. But, like, it still gets Robin to do stuff because she cares about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talks about the code and she, like, recites it and says, like, we found your code that you've just been, like, I don't know, broadcasting everywhere. You idiots. And we cracked it in literally a day. Literally a bunch of kids. And everyone knows that you're down here and they're going to be on their way. And they're like, oh, who? And Steve's like, Dustin! Oh, Dustin Henderson. My friend Dustin. Um, And they're like, Steve, please stop. You're drugged. Stop talking. (laughs) Um, But we were laughing yesterday at how, like, menacingly the guy goes, Dustin Henderson. Dustin Henderson. (laughs) His name's Dustin. Like, a name like Dustin is not meant to be said in a menacingly way. Yeah, it doesn't inspire a lot of fear. Like, bro, it's a child. Yeah. Dustin Henderson. Dustin Um, Henderson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Robin's basically like, dude, like, yes, I told him some info, but we don't tell him all the info that we have, okay? Right. Steve's the kind of guy during it. poker who would accidentally show all his cards. Yeah, exactly, because he loves, like, scratching his head with them. Or yes. Something. Yeah. And so Steve says that Dustin's hair is really great, and you know what? Coming from him, that's really nice. It's true. Mm-hmm. And Steve says that Dustin is gone, and that Dustin's gonna call Hopper, who's gonna call, like, the cavalry, and we're gonna get you real good, ha-ha! And then everybody Dummies. laughs, and they're like, ha-ha, very funny, and then the alarm goes off, and they stop laughing. And it's just, like, the perfect timing for Steve to just, like, look smug at this guy. He's like, look what I did. Oh, like, I did I told that. you. I told you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dustin and Erica show up, having made, like, a green smoking hole with acid. And he comes in and stuns the doctor, like, right on his heart. So, like, that guy's gotta that be guy's dead. That guy's super dead. That guy's gotta Zoinked. be dead. Um, and Steve's like, oh my god, I was just talking about you. Today and on Stranger Things, <laughs> Dustin commits a murder. Exactly <laughs> right. And then Dustin, like, starts trying to get them out. Yeah. Um, so that is the Scoops Ahoy storyline. And before we go on to Jopper, we're gonna have everybody's favorite segment, uh, actually? actually? <laughs> uh, actually, when Elle finds the source in the abandoned steel mill, Jonathan looks at the location in the yellow pages. If the building has been abandoned for some time, the location and number would no longer be listed in the phone book. Shut up. I kind of like that one. All right. Uh, actually, the total logo seen in the oil drums outside Murray's bunker is not the one used in the 1980s, but the one introduced in 2003. All right, that's a big shut up. Yeah, that one's, that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, the Mayor Klein Presents banner features the font Gotham Serif. Shut up! Are you guys insane? <laughs> Which wasn't created until 2011, and Gotham wasn't created until 2004. Boo! <laughs> I like to put these in order of how ridiculous they are. <laughs> So that one was my favorite. That was infuriating. I really liked that I did not like that. (laughs) Wait, let me say it again, because it's so good. The Mayor Klein Presents banner features the font Gotham (laughs) Sarah. If you're nitpicking about fonts, I want you to know that I hate you. I love some person who's obsessed with fonts went in there and was like, wait a second, is that Gotham Sarah? 
are they insane? <laughs> like, I love fonts too, but shut up yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now we're gonna do the Jopper storyline, and Sam did the did the summary for that one, if you can believe it. Who yeah. is shocked? Not me. Not not me. No one. <laughs> Who'd have thought? All right. In the early hours of the 4th of July, Terminator threatens Mayor Klein about uh, Hopper's whereabouts, and he says he has till the end of the day to find him, or he's toast, basically. Mm. Back at Murray's place, Hopper returns from a negotiated snack run for Alexi with a Slurpee and uh, from 7-Eleven and a meal from Burger King in hand. Which are nowhere near each other, by the way, he'll have you know. They sit down and uh, try to continue negotiating and interrogating with Alexi about what the Russians are doing in Hawkins. Alexi, however, has problems with the Slurpee that Hop bought him. You see, it's strawberry, which is nothing like cherry, which is what he asked for. <laughs> Alexi refuses to continue speaking until Hop goes back to the 7-Eleven and gets him the right Slurpee. But Hop is sick of being jerked around. He hauls Alexi up and chucks him out the door with the key to his handcuffs and Todd's convertible. Hop is certain that Alexi is more scared of going back to his bosses than he is of simply getting knocked around by the good guys. But Joyce and Murray think he's insane. We watch as Alexi seems to take the offer and just escape, and Hopper waits it out with Joyce and Murray. As Joyce finally gets tired of waiting, after they hear the car start, she shoves past Hopper only to see Alexi just sitting there in the driveway, because Hopper was right. Inside, Alexi explains in Russian, with Murray translating, that the Russians are trying to open the gate. He says that they tried in Russia with no success and came to Hawkins to try again because they know that the gate has been opened here before and it's still still healing. It takes a minute with the language barrier, but Joyce, once Joyce and Hopper realize what he's talking about, they're terrified. Joyce tries calling the kids to make sure that they're safe while Hopper shoots vodka with Murray. Hopper asks if the key can be turned off, and Alexi's like, yeah, but I can't get back in. Hopper's like, well, I'll just get you back in, and Alexi's like, yeah, right, it's heavily guarded. Hopper calls the government via Dr. Owen's contact info that he had and sends up his secret code to let him know that bad things are happening. A- approximately one single minute later, Joyce calls back as well and demands that they bring the cavalry because she's not waiting around when her kids are in danger. They all pile into Todd's car and head back to Hawkins. Yeah. <laughs> your storyline's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty iconic. Yeah. So, um, the fun fair is going to begin tonight, so they're setting it up and everything. Mayor Klein presents it. This set is so fun. I love that this season they were like, okay, what's two really ambient, really fun sets that we could make? Mall fair. Yeah. They they got all the good ones. That's, yeah. It, it invokes so much nostalgia mm-hmm. in such a good way. It's American it's, iconography. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so Klein is, of course, watching everyone else work, and he goes and yells at a hot dog guy for putting his cart in the wrong place. And the guy, like, isn't even like, okay, asshole. He's literally like, oh, okay, sorry, where should I put it? And he's like, with all the other food, you moron. <laughs> this guy's such a dick. Please be nice. He's doing his best. This guy was even nice to you after you were mean to him. Like, if that was me, I'd literally be like, I am so not voting for you. Like, 100%. At this point, expose him so he gets canceled. And then he won't win again. Exactly. (laughs) Like, this is not a very smart idea for somebody who's looking to be reelected. I don't think he's looking to be reelected at this point. I think he is. Like, didn't he say uh, that uh, people were just gonna, like, remember the fair and then just vote for him again because they liked the fair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Grigori shows up and Klein is obviously afraid of him. Um, And he's wearing sunglasses because the sun, but also because of his injuries. And he's trying to hide the fact that he has, like, a black eye and everything. Because the sun. Yeah. Um, you know, why you 
wear sunglasses most of the time. Sure. <laughs> um, and so they start having like this secret conversation inside of the ride. He says he's got people looking for Hopper, and Grigori says it's not good enough and to go find him. And Klein is like, listen, man, uh, this guy is uh, stupid. He's in the flashiest car ever, and it'll be really easy to find him. And I'm like, yeah, if he's not out of state. <laughs> yeah, it'll be super easy to find him if he's still around. Yeah. He's like, maybe you should bring some more scary Russians with you next time because you messed up when you were all by yourself. Like, I don't know if you know this, but cars go places. Yeah, and what? also, I don't know if you know this, but this guy is giant, and uh, I'm not sure why you're antagonizing him. <laughs> So then Grigori, like, grabs Klein and slams him up against the ride, which starts the ride. And Klein's like, listen, man, JK, like, it was just a prank. You know, it's whatever. And Grigori says that Hopper is Klein's fault, but I don't know why. I think it's because he, like, didn't fire him when they moved here or something. Like, Probably. Like, maybe it's his fault because, um, like, when the Russians showed up, they should have, like, Klein should have tried to make the police force, like, as... Um, obedient as possible. As obedient and as, like, uh pathetic as possible, like, not, um, not, like, incompetent, mm -hmm. you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And so he loses his sunglasses, uh, so he can't hide that anymore, and he says that he's sorry that he has had, that he has a bad temper and that he's going to therapy. Okay! Are you going to therapy or did you just say that? Also, is your therapy even helping? Right. Because, I don't think so. Like, this seems like a lie because you're not even trying to be better. Yeah. Or trying to be a good person. And so Grigori's like, you have one day to find Hopper. And Klein's like, damn, well, it is the 4th of July tonight, so I am busy. I have <laughs> things I have to do. plans. If you haven't noticed, I'm putting on this fair. Yeah. This is America. We do fireworks. Hmm. So Hopper comes back to Murray's from a 7-Eleven run, and he also got Burger King. And he pulls out the food for everybody. He got two Whoppers, extra ketchup, large fry, pack of cigarettes, one large Slurpee. One extra large Slurpee, excuse me. And Alexi is just so excited for his Slurpee. Um, he just Slurpees are delicious. He just loves Slurpees and Looney Tunes. Yo, I kind of wish I had a Slurpee right now. I was at 7-Eleven earlier today and I could have gotten a Slurpee, but I didn't. I got a, I got a giant gulp, whatever, Big instead. Gulp. You made some choices. That's what I wanted. All right. Time. So Hopper mentions that the Burger King was, like, really far away from the 7-Eleven, so, like, that was really out of my way. And Murray's like, I didn't say that they were close. <laughs> I, I never said that they were right beside each other. I, I actually never said a thing about that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, how did he find them if he doesn't have Google Maps? Uh, back then, people used old-fashioned maps. But you're driving. Yeah. In the passenger seat. Keep your eyes on the road. Yeah, they think distract we're distracted now. I mean, we are. But people would have, like, whole-ass maps. Seems deeply dangerous. I remember those days. Because I'm old. Maybe he asked for directions. That would make me feel better. <laughs> okay. So then Hop gets out one of the burgers for himself, and then Alexi gets the other burger. Um, and Joyce starts asking Alexi questions on Hop's prompting, because he won't answer if the questions are from Hopper. <laughs> I think that's really funny. So what are the generators powering? We know it's at the mall, and so Murray asks in Russian... And Alexi doesn't answer because he spits out his Slurpee because it's strawberry and not cherry. You can't blame the man. And Hopper's like, who cares? And Joyce is like, bro, he asked for he cherry. He literally like, cares. He didn't get cherry and he asked for cherry. Like, he asked nicely, Hop. Honestly, I fully agree with Alexi here. Uh, cherry is completely different from strawberry. 100%. Especially, especially oh, in yeah. Slurpee. Mm -hmm. And cherry Slurpees are amazing. Yes. So cherry I is a bit, yeah, it's a very that. different flavor profile. And then strawberry would be, like, underwhelming, because strawberry always tastes fake. Right. But cherry tastes like just happiness. Right. 
I don't even like cherries, like the fruit, but I like cherry flavoring. Mm-hmm. And and there's always like a little bit too much cherry flavoring in a cherry Slurpee, which makes it really good. Yeah. But if you have a strawberry one, they always put a little too little syrup in it. Yeah, and it's just like, this it's, is just water. Yeah, exactly. So I'm with Alexi on this. Yeah. Um, but he's like, well, they didn't have cherries, so tell them it's all the same. And Hopper's just really pissed because he just keeps getting like <laughs> jerked around by this guy. And I say it every episode, but this show is a comedy. It is. Mm-hmm. So Murray tries to tell Alexi that it's the same, and Alexi says that Hopper is stupid and that he won't talk to him until he gets <laughs> cherry. And Murray says, well, he respectfully disagrees, which is a very kind way to explain what he said. Yeah, yeah. So Alexi's just like, well, tell him he's stupid, uh, and then just keeps laughing at w- Woody the Woodpecker. <laughs> and Hop and Alexi have, like, a stare-off, but Alexi, like, gives up first. And he's like, no cherry, no deal, and he just keeps laughing at the TV. And Hopper's like, dude, the amount of disrespect that I have dealt with in the past few days. Like, Mike looked him in the eyes in, like, 301 and mm-hmm. disrespected him. Yep. And now Alexi is looking him in the eyes and disrespecting, disrespecting him. him. Yep. Um, and so he's like, haha, it's fine. But then he just totally freaks out. And he grabs Alexi, who screams loudly about it, which I would, too, because uh, Hopper is giant. Yeah, he's Hopefully. a big dude. Um, I'm scared of him. Yeah. Um, and he slams him against the table because Hopper likes fighting people. Yes, he does. It's uh, it's his therapy. It's and everyone else is like his. <laughs> trying to get him to stop him from hurting Alexi. And he pushes him outside, and he loses his little glasses, and he has to pick up his glasses because he can't see without his glasses. Hop, it's not nice to do these things. He's just little. And he gives him the keys for the car. He gives him the keys for the handcuffs, and he says, "Go get your own Slurpee." All right, go then. Bye. And Murray's like. We can't just let him go. And Hopper won't let them through. He says, listen, if I keep getting him things, he's just going to want more stuff. It's true. He's right. I mean, he's literally right. He's just going to keep saying more things that he wants. Extremely if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. What? If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want... A glass of milk. Uh-huh. If you give him a glass of milk, he's going to want... A bedtime story stuff. or something. Yeah. You know, a bedtime story. You never heard this children's book? No! I think if you saw the... T- or, like, saw the... Like, the cover page, you probably... That's possible. Though, I'm not sure what the message is supposed to be there. Maybe. Oh. I think the message is... Not giving in to the demands of your children. Yeah. And it's a children's story, so, the, so uh, it's, uh, I'm not giving you anything except for <laughs> one thing, basically. You may have a cookie and a glass of milk. And that's it. But we're not staying up past bedtime. Yeah. And Hopper says that he's been dealing with this sort of thing his whole life. Hopper, I think that's projection, my friend. Yeah, well, exactly. What do, you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> He's like, I'm always having to get people Slurpees. It's literally like his past year with L is L just being like, can I have this? Egos. And so Alexi is so pleased, he just starts leaving. And Hopper is sure that he's scared to go back because he could have left yesterday and didn't. And his people are going to think that he snitched because he didn't get hurt or, like, tortured or anything. Right? I mean, he's right. Yeah. By that logic, you see Steve and you're like, hey, Steve, thanks for keeping those secrets, man. And he did not. <laughs> I forgot about that. He gave the secrets and he got beat up. He so. sure did. Alexi gets so excited that he falls over. So that's another thing. <laughs> but Hopper is sure that he's going to be crawling back any second now. Um, they start to hear the car start and they're are really nervous. And Hopper's like, no, no, he's bluffing. This is like, if if Alexi had just driven away. That would have sucked. Yeah, Hopper's really lucky because otherwise that would have been really embarrassing yeah he never would have recovered yeah like joyce joyce would be like okay so we're never dating (laughs) so joyce wants to open the door but hopper stops her and like ooh, they're so close it's like a hug almost truly it's it's good i remember watching it and i was like i'm gonna get fat later yeah 
And so they start fighting about it. They get outside and Alexi's like about to drive away, but he's just sitting there thinking. And Hopper is like still sure. Like imagine if like we had the shot where he was just like sitting there like thinking and you're like, oh my God, Hopper was right. And then he's just like, no. And then he drives away. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. So Alexi backs up, turns off the car, gives the keys back, goes back inside and says, strawberry's fine. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take yeah. I, I regret my actions. And Joyce is very impressed by this, and Hopper honestly could not be happier. He's, like, very pleased with what happened. Oh, fully. So Alexi explains that there's a there's a key that emits a great energy, and he, like, starts to doodle to explain the machinery. It requires a lot of strength and power, and everybody's smoking except for Murray. Honestly, if I'm Murray and I don't smoke, I feel like... Why do I feel like he does? But maybe he he, he definitely smokes. Uh, I was going to be like, if I was Murray and I didn't smoke, I would not be allowing these people to smoke in my house. Oh my god, no. <laughs> um, but Jopper sit on the floor together, which is cute. And uh, Alexi says that the houses that they went to are near Transformers, and so they're just stealing power from the town. And they just, like, can, because Klein isn't going to do anything about it, I guess. Um, and Hopper's like, are, why are you building it here instead of Russia? Are you trying to kill the people of Hawkins? And Alexi's like, mm, no, we had stuff in Russia, but none of them worked. And so we had to come where the, like, sort of... Epicenter. Yeah, but, uh, like, where the um, membrane is, like, thinnest. Mm, yeah. Basically. But Murray, like, struggling to understand this, and they're like, um, aren't you fluent? And he's like, I'm sorry! I'm doing my best and also for free. <laughs> Would you like to pay for my services? Are my free translation services not enough for you? And Joyce is like, okay. Jeez, like, oh, all right. God, sorry. No, take it. And so Alexi tries to explain with visual aids and he's got a straw and fries container and everyone's like confused. I think it's realistic that Murray wouldn't know all of this scientific jargon. That's probably not the Russian that he learned. You uh, know? It, it's very realistic. Yeah. So the straw is the key and they're trying to open a doorway between worlds and Jopper like totally knows exactly what's happening here, but they also needed to be in the right place. And the door had already been opened here before. It was still healing, so it's easier to open again. Yeah, it's, it's like, like an open wound. It's currently opening. And so mm -hmm. like it couldn't, the straw couldn't go through the fries container um, but it could go through, like, the burger wrapper because it's, like, thinner, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so Joyce, like, gets up so she can tell the kids that this is happening. Um, but she says, our children, and it's really cute. Like, mm -hmm. I know I know that she means, like, my child and also, also, and also your, your child, child. Or, like, my children and also your ch child. But um, she says, our children. And so, hmm. It's their shared children. It's because they co-parent all yeah. six of them. Yeah. And, uh, hey, uh, just to make everybody upset, uh, they're all her children at the end of the season. You know what? <laughs> I, I don't like you right now. Jail. Jail for Robin for 1,000 years. Okay, here's my notes. Also, <laughs> no, I, I would have made the same point if you yeah. hadn't. But yeah, also, like, her just, I have been saying they should have been co-parenting 11 since the end of season one. Yeah. So, hopefully, when you know, she's been raised by Joyce for a year in season four, they'll just, you know, become co-parents at the end of this season because right. they've they've kissed and they are a couple now. If they don't save Hopper within the first three episodes, I'm gonna be really mad. Like, if, if they pull a lost sister and Hopper is, like, gone for the whole season except for, like, the end, I'm gonna be mad. Well, I'm, I don't know if David Harbour would tolerate that. I don't know. I think it's gonna be at least... Six or seven episodes. No, in. but there's only going to be like eight eight or nine I know. episodes in the season. I'm saying it. I think it's going to take a while because I think so too. But I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, th that's it. Well, he he said like it takes a minute, but it's worth it or whatever. Yeah. His, his 
he said about the whatever David season. Like no one stands the show harder than he does, so I trust him. Yeah. But like, ugh. So Alexi wants to watch more car- cartoons, but Marie says no. Hopper needs a drink. He's like scrambling through someone else's drawers, which is kind of rude, I must say. Marie's kitchen disgusts me. It was it's like <laughs> dirty. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any whiskey, but he has vodka, and so like I love that they like cheers. Like at the beginning of last season, they were like pretty much em- enemies. Yeah. And, and now so, they're like, yeah, well, I guess we're doing yeah. this together. So they're trying to think of how to turn it off, and Murray asks Alexi, and he says that he could turn it off, and he compares himself to Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell, because, yeah, you're that cool, I guess. I think he is. And, but he's, like, exposed now, and he can't really get in there, and so Hopper promises to get him in there, because he doesn't want Eleven to have to worry about this again. He wants this to be over so that she doesn't have to worry. Mm-hmm. And Alexi just straight up laughs in his face. Uh, and says that he thinks that he's brave, but he also thinks that you're fat Rambo. And thin <laughs> Rambo couldn't get in there, so how is fat Rambo supposed to get in there, you know? It's such a roast. <laughs> I don't find fat jokes funny, but, like, David being fat Rambo would be amazing. <laughs> you know? I'd like to see him just as Rambo. <laughs> you know? Remember was he, when he was Hellboy and had, like, that Hellboy body? I never saw that movie. Did you guys see that movie? No. No. I don't remember hearing anything about it. I don't know. Every time... Like, anybody calls David Harbour fat, though. I just think of the the video with Winona when she's, like, oh, yeah. getting angry at him for, like, being derogatory about himself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We, got, we gotta kill the whole uh, fat means bad thing. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, it's probably impossible to break in, but Hopper is, like, kind of up for the challenge to figure it out. And uh, I think he does, but they have to do it themselves because Alexi dies. How Oof. dare you? So Hopper, Hopper needs to go make his call, and he only has two minutes, or he could be traced. And that's what he wants. He wants to be traced, I think. Um, Marie's like, wait. So the guy picks <laughs> it up and says, Philadelphia Public Library, because they don't want... Cover story. Yeah. And there are, like, several phones around that you answer as different places, I guess. Yeah. I think that's cool. It is cool. I wonder if it's, like, you just, like, get a number, and that's how they answer? Or it's, like, depends... On who you are is, like, which, which number, number you, get. you get. I think it's that one. And so he's like, hi, I got this number from Sam Owens. And he needs his identification code, but he kept it in his wallet and he doesn't have it ready. And, like, Murray's annoyed because, like, if it's a secret identification code, you shouldn't have it written down and on your person. Like, you you should have it in your brain because that's, like, a secret. But if I was there, I would be mad because I'd be like, bro, have all of the info that you need ready before you call somebody. I was like, <laughs> like, Robin has gotten mad at me for that exact thing before. Yeah, like, when Brittany's making a call or something and I need an, I need things, I, I bring her, like, four pieces of identification and all of the things that she needs. It's true, it's very helpful. Yeah. You're a deeply helpful person. Well, you have to be ready, you know? Mm-hmm. And so his identification code is Antique Chariot, and he says that they are opening the gate, or that the Russians are opening the gate, and there's an entrance at Starcourt, and he knows how to get in, but he needs help. And he gives Murray's number to call back. And obviously Murray is, like, devastated by this, being like, I have to move. That's so evil. I think it's so funny. (laughs) I have to move. Apparently, it is possible to call Murray's phone number. Yes, I've done it. Yes. Uh, And when calling, the caller will receive a message from Murray. Yeah. Hi, you have reached the residence of Murray Bauman. Mom, if this is you, please hang up and call me between the hours of 5 and 6 p.m. as previously discussed. Okay. 
If this is Joyce, Joyce, thank you for calling. I've been trying to reach you. I have an update. It's about, well, it's probably best if we speak in person. It's not good or bad, but it's something. If this is anyone but my mother or Joyce, well, you think you're real clever getting my number, don't you? Well, here's some breaking news for you. You're not clever. You're not special. You're just simply one of the many nimwits to have called here, and the closest you will ever get to me is this pre-recorded message, so at the beep, do me a favor and hang up and never call here again. You are a parasite. Thank you and good day. <laughs> wow. So the only people who are allowed to call are Marie's mom and Joyce. <laughs> Those are the only people who are allowed to call me. Yeah. I wonder if it's still on. Like, if you can still call that. Yeah. That'd yeah. be cool. Or or if they, like, shut it off after, like, a year. I definitely did it, like, right after when they yeah. were like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. So Marie is obviously pissed, and Joyce, like, laughs because she thinks it's funny. And dude's like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll tell him or whatever. And so they're like, okay, well, now we wait. And Joyce is like, why are you so calm? And Hopper's like, I'm not calm. And she's like, our kids are in danger. She says, our kids again. And he's like, no, they're at the festival. And she's like, yeah, that's like right beside the gate. And it's clear he had not thought of that. Like, he's like, ooh. They're such an old married couple. Yeah. It's so good. Especially in, like, this scene and the next episode. Mm -hmm. It's so obvious. Yeah, and Murray gets to witness it all. (laughs) Murray's just sitting there like, oh. Oh, all right. So Joyce, ship for so Joyce calls again and she says, hi, I'm Antique Chariot's partner, uh, Wheelbarrow. And like, I know that she means like a professional, a professional partner, but like, oh, you guys <laughs> a are a romantic partner, nice partner, huh? Cute. In every sense of the word. So I guess she's Antique Wheelbarrow. Um, and she's like, I actually need people really, really fast. And she yells at the guy for patronizing her. She's like, you're going to find Owens. You're going to tell him what's happening. And he's going to come right now. And he's like, okay, lady, like, sorry. <laughs> and she's like, thank you, goodbye. Honestly, I support her for that one. Yeah. Um, and so she goes and wakes up Alexi because it's time to go back to Hawkins. And she tries to wake him up so nicely, like a mom, which is really sweet. Um, because, but he totally slipped through her yelling. And it honestly seems like he's, like, kind of scared, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I just imagine uh, how scary it must be to, like, grow up in the sort of, like, thing that I think they're implying that he that he grew up in. And, like, to start awake like that, I'm like, he must have, like, kind of a scary life. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. within the past few years, you know. Growing up at the height of Soviet Russia? Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be terrifying. And in, like, the, the middle of all of this, mm-hmm. like, all these soldiers and everything. Like, you know, Grigori killed that one guy that was, like, one of his partners at the beginning of the season. And then, like, when Grigori came and they were in that basement, I think last episode of the episode before mm-hmm. that guy also died and so like you know and now Alexi's also gonna it's like you know, your life is constantly threatened yeah yeah so that's the dropper storyline um before we move on to the last storyline i'm gonna talk to you about patreon okay so patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators and if we're one of your favorite creators thanks Hi. <laughs> we have a patreon it's called patreon.com slash the we've got a bunch of cool things going on over there if you join up at the $1 level, and this is $1 per month, um, you get early access to all of our podcasts. This one goes up a whole week in advance. $2 level, you get access to the Discord server. $5, you get 10% off at choppylux.com. And at the $10 level, you get access to our Patreon-only podcast, which is called Okay, Love You, Hi! And if you join one of the levels, you also get all of the levels below it. And if you join our $10 level, you kind of also get the backlog of, like, all of the Okay, Love You, Hi! episodes that we've ever recorded and, and released. So that is cool. If you can't join our Patreon, um, check out shopylux.com. That's where me and Brittany sell some really cool stuff, and it's another way that you can support us and also get something really cool. Uh, if you can't do either of those things, totally okay. 
Recommend us to a friend. Yeah, that's free. And uh, you can recommend this one or you can recommend our other four podcasts that we're going to talk about in the outro. So recommend us to a friend, even if that friend is you. If this is the only Aficionados podcast that you listen to, check out some of our other ones. We would love to have you over there. Thanks. Thank you. And now Brittany is going to do the summary of the kids' storyline. Okay. So at the hospital, the big goo monster tries to attack Nancy. It proves it can melt and reform itself by squeezing its ass under a door like Evie, fitting herself into a small box. That's our cat. That's our cat. (laughs) For the record, that's our cat Evie, who thinks any, any box is a goal. She's right. Yeah. Elle arrives in the nick of time and kits its gooey ass. It slithers back home to Billy. Back at Hopper's cabin, Elle tries to find the flayed by walking in the void, but she's unsuccessful. Mike and Max argue about Elle and how Mike is far too controlling of Elle and how she uses her powers. They take their case to Nancy, who agrees with Max because she's a woman who knows how men are. Mike lets it slip that he loves Elle and doesn't want to lose her again. Everyone is like, bro! You just said the L word? And then Elle immediately crashes a party, so I guess we're going to have to revisit that later. Elle says she found someone. It's Billy. He's in his room, which Max says is weird for him to do on the 4th of July. I'm assuming he's just blowing shit up, usually. Mm -hmm. It's a trap. Elle wants to go anyway and see where Billy has been, like she did with her mom. Mike objects, but Elle says she can do it, and he agrees. Imagine that. Anyway, it's totally a trap, and Billy sucks Elle back into a memory of he and his mom on a beach. Elle sees a large cloud on the horizon and heads for it. She walks through Billy's memories of seeing his mom abused and leave, and then Max arriving. And I'm like, that's cool, but you're still a racist and abuser, so cool motive still murder. Anyway... Elle reaches the memory where Billy was flayed. She tries to leave and is trapped by the mind flayer speaking through Billy. He says that making contact means the flayer and his army can see Elle now. They're going to end her and her friends and then kill everyone in the town. Elle blows Billy away and wakes up sobbing. You're in danger, girl. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the whole storyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, that was it, yeah. I, there is a lot, but at the same time, it's kind of just like one thing, mm-hmm. which is... They escape the hospital, and then Elle goes walking through Billy's brain. Right. I found that, like, this, uh, these episodes are so long, especially these last three are so long, and, like, a lot of things happen, but, like, not a whole lot to actually, like, discuss. Yeah, it's mostly just the plot moving forward to the place where you can discuss the plot. Right, yeah. yeah. So we've got these flickering lights, um, and Will immediately gets goosebumps. To be honest, with all these flickering lights, you probably should have gotten them earlier, because, uh... Like, they've been in there a while. Yeah, and, like, that monster has actively been, like, smashing around for a while. And the monster is still after Nancy and Jonathan. Honestly, this scene is mostly just running away from the goo. Uh, Nancy tries to run, but there's stuff blocking the door. Jonathan is going to use, like, an IV stand as a weapon. Um, The kids try to run past the receptionist, and she's like, two at a time! And it's like, sorry, lady, we simply do not care at this moment. They're busy. We probably should have found a way to get by her, all of us, at the same time (laughs) before. Before that. But you know what? These things happen. So Nancy tries to hide from the goo and locks the door behind her as if the goo can unlock, (laughs) like, can't unlock doors. That's literally a Jurassic Park reference. Good thing it can't, good thing they never learned how to open doors. Literally cut to a thing of a velociraptor opening a door. Oh, that probably is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, uh, unsaid, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So they're like, he's like, doesn't matter, gonna go under it. So it starts to head underneath the the door. And Jonathan, like, tries to help, but he's on the other side of a locked door. What? <laughs> if she hadn't locked the door, Jonathan could have gotten this, in. This could have gone somewhere. Yeah. So the kids try and take the elevator, but it's not working, obviously, so they go and take the stairs. And Jonathan is trying to smash his way through a locked door, and I just don't see this happening for him. No, neither do I. So now the goo is underneath the door, it's getting big again, and it starts throwing Nancy against a wall, 
And Jonathan, I assume, hears this and so is like, mm, things have escalated. Gonna go feral. Yeah, so he starts trying to break the handle, which also doesn't work, so he tries to break the window on the which, door. Which, honestly, we should have started with the window. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because he's like, it's trying to like smash his own body into the door, and I'm like, bro, it's a it's a big like door. A it's not like a wooden bolt, like. like it's not like a wooden door yeah. that you could like break. Mm-hmm. This is like metal. We should have looked at the door and been like, what is the most breakable part of this door? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. glass. Yeah, and and I'm like, it, would it be glass or would it be plexiglass? Also, because I think plexiglass is even stronger than glass. Plexiglass is crazy strong. Yeah. On IMDb, it said, When Jonathan is trying to break into the room to save Nancy from the mind flare, the camera movement is similar to when Jack Torrance is using the axe to break down the door to get at Wendy in The Shining. Yep. So the mind flare gets, like, right on top of her and straight up screams in her face. I would simply pass away from fear. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, well, take me then. Do, you think Do not prolong this any longer. Do you think the point of some of this is just to display, like, that the mind flayer can, like, form and reform and, like, move For sure. in a certain mm-hmm. way? Yeah. And the fact that it and seems to be... how it's been able to, like, get around. And, ha- and the fact that it seems to be only after Nancy and just keeps ignoring Jonathan, which I'm yeah. still not really sure why that's true. Oh, well, Billy's in there, so it's a misogynist. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I was thinking that it was because, like, Tom and Bruce were the two things inside of there and they both had like vendettas against Nancy. I mean, that's entirely possible. That's like the only thing I could think of is the reason why they're just ignoring Jonathan, which like, you're right, is like just misogyny. That's misogyny, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the door opens and you're like, oh my God, Jonathan, you did it. But no, it it was (laughs) like, which makes way more sense. And Max almost says uh, the F word. Does she really? Yeah. for her. (laughs) Yeah, she says, what the, and then it, and then it like, Stops or a sound happens or something. Max like that. would of the six of them yeah. be the one to say it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. This is crazier than anything they've seen so far because, like, all the mind flayer stuff that has happened before now, like especially Max. Max was not there for the Demogorgon. The Demogorgon was crazy, but like not as crazy as this. Like this is scarier than the Demogorgon. This is way scarier. And, um, you know, what happened in season two of what they, like, actually saw was, like, you know, the Demodogs, but also, like, the Mind Flayer happened within Will, and so you didn't, like, the only person who actually got to see the actual Mind Flayer was Will, you know? Was Will, yeah. So Eleven slams the creature around a bunch of times, and it's, like I said, still only interested in Nancy, which is kind of weird. Um, and then it goes out the window and all the kids run outside. Jonathan goes to check on Nancy and then also follows them. And then the goo starts heading into the sewers to get back to the rest of itself. And it leaves behind a human bone, which is super gross. Mm. However, if there was a human bone in there, then it wouldn't have been able to get under the door. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a thing there, I think. Well, I mean, it's possible that that's the remnants of something that it couldn't liquefy. Sure, but then why didn't it, why could it fit under the door? Was the door gap big enough for the bone? It did not look like it. Maybe. I, maybe. It did not look like it. I don't think so. (laughs) So it makes its way to the steelworks to join more goo, and Billy and Heather say, okay, well, it's time. Goo party. Goo party. Everybody, everybody jump in the goo. No. Pass. I will not. So Elle looks through the inside out, but can't really find anything. And it's mostly because like the consciousnesses of these people that she's looking for are gone. They're all gone. Oh, fully. Like Bruce and Tom are straight up gone and they're like straight up inside of the goo. Like they're dead and gone. Which like, um, good riddance. Goodbye. Honestly, I don't miss them. And the only reason why they find Billy is because they're like trapped. They're like, they're supposed to find Billy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like trying to put him out there to find it. And Billy is more like a will. Mm -hmm. He's, his consciousness is 
There's a bit more of taken, him in there. Yeah. But his physical body is not. It seems like he's kind of the only one who's still, like, really super in there. You know, I guess Tom and Bruce were kind of like themselves. Yeah. So maybe not, but yeah. It's like, feels like kind of Billy is the only one who's like, we can clearly see is like still in there. Yeah. Yeah. So the the camera slowly moves out and it's very clear this is a very large space, but she's actually back in her room, blindfolded, obviously. Um, and she's got photos of like the Holloways, Driscoll, Bruce, and Billy. She's got Billy's school photo. Bruce has a picture of him in the paper with an article that I assume he wrote. Driscoll is on like a church bingo night flyer and it's a family photo of the hallways. It's actually Aww. really cool and really sad. Yeah, it's I, I I love the idea of like the props department being like, what can we do for each of these pictures? Yeah. Yeah, like and, how like, does she source it? Yeah, and like what would be like and where what would be realistic for them to have and find. Yeah. So she wipes her nose with a tissue because she has lots and lots of tissues and so it's clear that she's been like doing this for a while. And Mike is worried about if this is good for her because she might like hurt her brain for doing because she's never done this for like that long before. And like I know there's this whole thing about Max being like Eleven can do what she wants and she knows her limits and you shouldn't like tell her what to do and stuff. But I'm also a little bit on Mike's side too because she hasn't done this before and like he's worried about her, you know? Yeah, I... As much as I like to dunk on Mike because he annoys the hell out of me, Mm -hmm. it is fair to question if, like, this person that is doing this and is bleeding because they're doing this is okay. Yeah. Yeah, my thing, I think, is that, like, I I wouldn't want him to walk in there and be like, you know what, Eleven, you're done. Yeah. Like, we're not doing this anymore. It's over, you know? But it's 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 another thing to be like, I'm worried about you. And later when he's like, hey, Elle, are you sure about this? And she's like, yes, I can do it. And then he lets her do it, you know? And, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Max gives him, like, a dirty look, and so he has to let her do it. But, like, as long as he's not, like, physically going in and, like, stopping it from happening, I think it's totally fair for him to be worried about her. Yeah, Yeah. I think so, too. It's just that, like, when he has pissing contests with Max is when I get really annoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, they ride the line really well of, like, not making him too annoying and, like, really leaning into, like, the concern half of it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't... And it doesn't read, like, Max or any of the rest of them are, like, forcing her to do it either, Mm -hmm. which I think is very important. Oh, yeah, Um, she has... Yeah, 100% true. free will here. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very tricky balancing act that I think they managed to do really well. Yeah, and I also think that Mike thinks, and I think this is true, I think he's right, that he thinks that Eleven feels obligated to do this because she's the only one who can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I think she does feel that way. Yeah, for uh, sure. So yeah, I guess like, I hate to say it, but I'm a little bit on Mike's side here. Just a little bit though. No, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah. So Lucas eats snacks from the box. Whose snacks are those? And are you stealing them? Uh, they're probably eleven, <laughs> so yeah. he probably has permission. Max says that Mike made up brain damage, which is not true. Brain damage is definitely real. I mean, she's. Um, I mean, she's literally bleeding. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, no one knows what happens when you do that too much because no one else can do it. Right? Exactly. So like, we don't know. Um, and so they start arguing about it, and then we move over to Nancy, who's calling people again to like see if anyone else is missing, and they just like hang up on her because they don't take women seriously. <laughs> yeah. They try to call everybody they can. It's like Blackburn's farm supply still won't answer or like still won't tell them anything. And she's confused because there was a there was a pattern and the pattern has stopped. So why did it stop? They talk about how maybe they have enough and they're finished. Why can't Eleven find them even if they're monsters? And I think the reason is because they're mostly like they're mostly dead. 
Yeah, they don't have a consciousness anymore. Yeah. They're mostly goo. Mm-hmm. So Max walks up and wants Jonathan and Nancy to decide who should decide Elle's limits, Elle or Mike. And I, I love that Max is ad- advocating for Elle and her, like, free will mm-hmm. and for have agency and everything. Mm-hmm. And Mike's like, okay, well, you framed that badly, which... I do think it's true. <laughs> it's true, but at the same time, she's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But my thing is, like, if you can frame it badly, it's probably bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Nancy just now is just learning that Mike got dumped. <laughs> that Mike got, Mike got dumped by I 11. love that she focuses on that. She's like, wait, you got dumped. Wait, oh, crap. Hang on. I also dumped my boyfriend, but we're back together now. <laughs> yeah, we, we figured it out. Don't worry about it. Mike blames Max for corrupting Eleven. Don't like that. No, that's misogyny. You let my girlfriend think for herself. <laughs> I hate How that. dare you? Uh, and then Will and Lucas share a look, but they stay out of it. And they're like, well, she's her own person. She can do what she wants. And Mike says she's li- risking her life for no reason. And Nancy's like, okay, now I have to step in. She's like, bro, they're out here, like, reason. killing people. There is a reason. <laughs> the reason she's doing this is to save lives, save Hawkins, save the people we love. Mm-hmm. And Mike is pissed because no one's on his side. And I'm like, you know what? Sorry, pal. <laughs> I-, I was a little bit on your side if that helps, but... You had a shot, and yeah. then you blew it, so stop. Yeah, Nancy agrees with Max, and that Elle, like, knows her own powers. So I love that Nancy and Max, who are the only other two girls, are like we're gonna advocate for Elle. Yeah. And Max says that Elle has saved the world twice and Mike doesn't trust her. I mean, she's right. She's right. And Mike reveals that Max and Eleven spied on them and the other boys did not know that. Oopsie. And Max blames Elle and that it was her idea. And I don't remember if that's true. I, f- I feel like it was Max's idea. I think, like, didn't she, like, spy on... It was somebody? Max's idea to do spin the bottle yeah. to spy, but I think it was Eleven's idea to... To do it the first time. To spy on the boys. Oh, you're right, I think, because uh, Max, I think, was like, oh, I wish I knew what they were doing. I bet they're doing this or whatever. And Eleven's yeah. like, oh, I know a way to. We can figure it out. I can make that happen. That makes me feel better that Max wasn't like, oh, let me just blame who's not in the room. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't my fault. And Will is like, who cares? Uh, but Lucas does care. Lucas cares. Um, Lucas cares a lot. But L- Will doesn't care because Will doesn't do things and say things that he'd be embarrassed by. Will is just but like, Lucas oh, did that giant fart. Will is literally- <laughs> Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Willis is constantly caught in these people's relationship drama. Yeah. And Mike is like, well, what if I was pooping? And Max's like, well, no one wants to see that. So, like, no, it wouldn't be funny. It would be gross. And we wouldn't watch that because it's gross and I'm not interested. Yeah, if you were pooping, we would simply stop watching. Nancy's like, what is this conversation? Why are we doing this right now? And Mike says that they treat Eleven like a machine instead of a person, which I don't think is true. No, I don't think it's true either. I think that my, uh, like, Eleven does these things because Eleven wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, Eleven feels obligated to do it, but, like, no one's forcing her to do it. Eleven exactly. pushes her own limits a lot. Oh, fully. Like, Eleven's the one who's like, I'm gonna do this. At no point are Max or Nancy, like... like you Eleven, must do this! Yeah, like, at no point is Eleven like, I don't know if I want to do that, and someone's like, you have to! Right. You know? No one's doing that. No one's doing that to her. And so he says that he loves her and can't lose her again, and everyone's like, whoop... So you said that, huh? Yeah. Oopsie. My favorite shot in this scene is Lucas, is the shot of Lucas and, and Will. Because <laughs> um, Lucas laughs. He thinks it's funny that this happened. And then Will just kind of like looks down and I'm like, oh no, oh, my sweet son. Listen. Even if they didn't mean to make Mike and Will a thing, I think Noah knows about it. And Noah like actively tries to do stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. And so Elle walks in and she's like, hello. And everyone just like stops talking about it. And Lucas says, ha, it's just a family discussion, which 
I think is a reference to last episode when they said that they were all Driscoll's family. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I like yeah. that. Um, and then Eleven says that she found Billy. Or she found him, so like, the Mind Flayer slash Billy. Mm-hmm. So instead of being in her room, we move it to the living room. She's still looking, and she just kind of like freaks out. She grabs some water. He's just sitting in his room on the 4th of July, and like, yeah, that is weird. And they feel that it's a trap, because if they like catch Eleven, I guess, then they'll already, they'll all know, like, where they are. Because we like to use this cabin to do secret things. What? Do you think that it's, like, traumatic for Will to be back here in this cabin where he was, like, basically exercised? I think no, because I don't think Will has much memory of that time. Yeah. Like, even, like, the moment that, I guess, I guess maybe he remembers it fondly because it was the moment that he came back and his family was here. Exactly. Like, if anything, it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't think Will was, uh, overly around for a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, oh, well, they'll know where we are. And Lucas is like, well, if they know where we are, that's okay, because we will know that they're coming and we can be ready for a fight. And I'm like, this is a bad strategy. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a bad strategy. Um, I, I understand. Just a bit. I understand the attitude. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. And so, like, Elle knows that if she goes to that place where Billy is, that, like, he's also kind of half in the upside down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he'll he'll be able to see her because he's done it before. Yeah. So Elle sees the Lucky Charms and remembers the Rainbow Room. And so she's like, what if I did that instead? Instead of like going and like seeing what he's doing now, I like went into his memories. And they all feel it's too risky. Nancy says that it's unnecessary because it won't stop the Mind Flare and that they need to find the source. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and agree because yeah. I don't know exactly what this actually did for them. Right. Uh, other than like try and tell us that Billy's in it, uh, like, has a bad childhood, which we kind of knew already. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, obviously he had abuse. That doesn't mean he should keep perpetuating the cycle of abuse. Right. Like, yeah, they all kind of agree that it's a trap, but for some reason she's going to do it anyway. And, yeah, Elle thinks there's another way to see where he's been, which is to go into his memories. Mike reminds her that it's okay if she doesn't want to do that, and Max is annoyed by that, but I'm like, I think that's the perfect thing that he needed to say, was that, like, hey, just so you know, like, you don't have to feel obligated to do this. 100%. Yeah. Because she's only done it with her mom before, and she, like, wanted to, actively wanted to give her that information, and Billy doesn't want to, so it could be, like, different. The information that, like that is being given to her is malicious in nature. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, Billy is actively trying to hold it back. Mm-hmm. Or at least the Mind Flayer part of him is. Exactly. So Eleven holds Mike's hand and says that she does not think that she can get hurt in there and that she he, he needs to trust her. And so he's, and Max is like, yeah, you better trust her. And, and he does. He, he lets her go. Yeah. And I agree. I don't think that she's like physically hurt in there, but she is definitely mentally messed up. Yeah, she's definitely traumatized. In yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So she goes in there. Billy is sitting weirdly on his bed and she walks towards him and takes his hand. What's all this like black stuff on him? Just like goo and like oil? I think it's literally like goo. Okay. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Maybe stuff from, like, the warehouse? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, is it his veins? Like, aren't his veins supposed to be black because he's infected? Uh, oh, maybe. maybe. Okay, so it could be the, the, his own his blood own, or, yeah. or blood of those people. Okay. Hey, gross. Yeah, gross. Man, black blood. Never heard of that before. Ugh. So he grabs her roughly and Mike knows that something's wrong. He can tell from the outside. She sees flashes of him in the sauna, um, of him getting choked or maybe it was herself getting choked either way someone's getting choked um getting attacked by the mind flare heather screaming billy getting pulled into the basement and she lands in the water and she's on a beach whoa what a plot twist where are we <laughs> Beth so, Reesgruff is here mike asks if she's okay and she says yes and lucas is like what there's no beaches in hawkins 
I mean, you think? Wow. You are in a landlocked state, you absolute genius. Einstein. He's really smart. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Lucas, do you know your own girlfriend? She's from California. (laughs) Lucas doesn't pay attention to anything. Your own girlfriend is from California. You should know this. There was like a blooper in this scene that like the blood under her nose keeps changing dryness um, back and forth. Um, She sees a woman looking at her who you guys recognized. Yes, it's Beth Rieskra from... I know her from Leverage. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I as well know her from Leverage. Mm -hmm. Um, Young Billy runs up to her with a surfboard, and she's like, yeah, you did it, you worried me, and they're, like, talking about how, like, ten more minutes because Dad will be mad if you go any longer because he's abusive. Yeah. And there was this moment when we were re-watching last night that, like, she tells him to, like, watch out for rip currents. and like what was that about? Yeah, and he turns around and he's like, I will, Mom! And it just seemed, like, kind of out of place. It seemed like part of a story in which, like, he went in and then he got caught in a rip current and then he got into, you know? Mm -hmm. We never hear anything about that or we've never heard anything about that. So, like, it just kind of felt like a weird, like, foreboding moment that doesn't go anywhere. (laughs) Like, is that supposed to be, like... Yeah, it played weird. Yeah, it played, like, okay, watch out for rip currents, and he's like, I will, Mom! And then nothing happened. Yeah, and then I'm like, well, did he get caught up by rip... Oh, I guess he just watched out for rip currents. I mean, that's great, then. He did what he was told. Wow, he follows directions. Yeah. I think that that moment was potentially just supposed to show that she cares about him, and that she was, like, a good mom, I guess. But it was kind of weird in execution. I okay. And so Max knows that it's a California memory. Eleven sees like the source and it's like this storm and so she's gonna walk towards it. So she sees these like this storm of memories. Billy getting reprimanded by his dad and he's so mad. I'm like dude it's baseball. It's, it's not that deep. It's literally baseball. It's not that deep. Yeah like I I also played baseball as a child. It truly does not matter that much. But like those sort of things like for some reason really toxic dads get like super worked up yeah. about. Mm-hmm. So he tries to tell him how to do it, and he's like, oh, are you afraid that you're going to get hurt? Like, men aren't afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. Like, why do I have, like, this weenie as a son? Shut up, dude. I'm like, dude, he's a little kid. He's literally a kid. Yeah. I mean, I hate Billy, but, like, even the kid. Yeah. (laughs) So he goes running off, and Eleven runs after him, and then we get another scene of his dad asking where his mom was, and she's like, I was with Wendy, and he says that she's lying, and she's, like, with some guy again. And, you know, she sees Billy, who's, like, in the room with his fighting parents. And the dad's, like, roughly holding the mom's wrist, which is kind of, like, reminiscent. I mean, uh, Billy's holding Eleven's wrist in the Inside Out right now. Yeah. It's literally so bad for a kid to see. Yeah. She throws a glass at him, and he calls her a whore. And Billy, like, tries to go up and protect her, but he gets thrown out of the way in the process. And Eleven is really upset by this because she was also abused. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she also had a really terrible father who, like, I mean, in in a different Literally way, but also, like, it was bad. And so the dad punches the mom and she falls. And then we have another scene, which I think is something that we get can actually get into a conversation about. So he's talking to his mom on the phone and she's leaving him there with his dad. Why would she do that? Like, you're trying to tell me that she's, like, a good mom who, like, cares about her son and then she does this? That's what I don't get. I'm like, why did you leave your son with your abuser? Like, I know every person's life is different and, like, Mm -hmm. has a... I don't know your story because I haven't lived it and everything. But I also don't understand how you could live with yourself knowing that you, like, didn't take your kid. Yeah. Like, if you care about him, why would you leave him here? Like, I'm trying to come up with, like, the circumstances in which I would have to have left myself and not been able to take my kid. Yeah. But 
I can't think of one. I don't know. Like, unless she was threatened and been like, you can leave and you can escape the cycle of abuse, but I'm keeping the kid. Then I wouldn't leave. I don't think she would accept it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were just trying to find a way to have, like, his mother not be in the picture and they chose that she abandoned them and I'm like... I I think it's weird that... You know, it wasn't that, like, his dad, I don't, I don't know, it's weird. It, it's very weird. What would you guys have done instead? Like, narratively? Yeah, like, if you were in the writer's room and you, the mom's out of the picture, I think, I, I think I would have made it that she died. I would have had that she died. Either that she died, or I wouldn't have made her a likable character from the start. Right, like, I want, I'm like, what yeah, is the point of making her be, like, caring and, like, a person that he I wanted to be I think that she's... The, the narrative of making her, like, soft is to show a soft side of Billy that, like, yeah. could have been. Like, he just, he loved his it's, mom. It's a half-assed, like, way to redeem him mm-hmm. by being like, look, he was nice at one point. I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, everyone was nice at some point. Yeah. Remember when he was super racist? So. He's a, he's a really bad person, you know? Yeah. And no matter what happened to him, I do have compassion for what happened to him. And it's awful. It's terrible. I have compassion for his young self. Yeah. Nobody should have to go through that. But you should be able to walk yourself out of that and be like, I would never want somebody else to go through what I went through because I was so sad. You know what I mean? It's, it's an explanation, not an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the show kind of tries to sell it as an excuse. Exactly. And I think that's the part that really pisses me off because I'm like, I understand that people who have been through a trauma and a cycle of abuse have problems breaking out of that because... A lot of them don't have access to mental health resources. But at some point, you have to actively choose that behavior. Like, you have to actively choose to be racist and to abuse other people and to be a bully. Like, you're choosing that. Yeah. So I have empathy for, like, his young self. But his older self, when they're like, oh, well, look at, like, where he came from. I'm like, yeah. And? And? Yeah. Like, I I even, like... You know, the bully that he was, like, you know, the next scene that we see is him being, uh, like, a bully, like, as a, still as a child. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have compassion for that kid. You know, it's all he knows. It's all, it's, like, what he knows to do. But it's, it's also, what he's like, seen. But, like, as you grow up and get older. You I'm, learn. I'm interested in the reformed bully thing, but you need to be reformed, like, I don't want to say, like, earlier, but, yeah, you have to, like, actively work to be reformed. You can't just, like, be possessed by a thing that reminds you of all the things that you love in your life, you know? Exactly. Like, you you have to choose to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And if you have trauma, of course that can be difficult, but the show feels like it's making excuses, Mm -hmm. so, and I think that's why I just hate Billy so much, and I really don't understand Billy's stance. Yeah. Like I've said multiple times on this podcast, I understand Dacre stance. I understand people who are attracted to Dacre. Oh, fully. But Billy is a bad person. Yeah, there's Billy... And Dacre knows that. Yeah, exactly. He played him like a bad person. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, like, when Tom Felton, like, came out and was like, don't really get the people who are attracted to Draco. Like, you know, you can be attracted to Tom Felton, but Draco's a bad person. And I played him as a bad person. He's not supposed to be attractive because he's a bad guy. Oh, I bet a lot of people didn't like that. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, later, Billy's beating up some more kids, and he uses the same words that his dad used. Um, He gets introduced to Max who is played by Sadie's real sister. Fun That's fact. That's cool. I wish that oh. they had, I wish that we had seen her face. Yeah. If you have somebody who looks just like the person who she's supposed to look like, come on, like, you give me a better shot. Yeah. yeah, I want to see. And 
I was confused about this, to be honest, because um, when he meets Max, it's also like a young version of Billy. Mm -hmm. And I, for some reason, thought that they had just become step-siblings. I didn't realize that they had been step-siblings for, like, several years. And that he'd been Mm. treating her like shit for a very long time. Yeah, Yeah, because, like, I thought, you know, when they moved to Hawkins from California, Max, like, said to Lucas, like, oh, my dad is there, and so that's why we moved, or whatever. And so I thought that, like, they got married and then they immediately moved rather than having been there for a while. I thought they moved for his job. Maybe, but I remember Max saying something to Lucas on top of the bus about, like, her dad being in California. Yeah, but I don't think that that's why they moved. Oh, okay. I don't know. I always had, I, I was always under the impression that they had, like, just become step-siblings, but I suppose that is not true. Yeah, which makes it worse. Which, uh, yeah, makes it worse. Because now, looking back on season two, I'm like, it's not even that he was treating her poorly because he, like, just met her and was like, you're not even my sister. Like, he's, you, she's been your sister for, like, a while. Or, you know, a quick half of her life, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, his dad forces him to shake Max's hand, and the Billy who's in the Inside Out can tell that she's in his memories, and then she sees his crashed car, and she found the source. It's Brimborn Steelworks. And uh, Jonathan finds the address in the phone book, which in, uh, actually, we saw that that's not correct. (laughs) Um, Mike yells at Eleven to get out of there, and she rips off the blindfold, but no one's there. And on IMDb, it said, when Eleven finishes exploring Billy's memories, one can tell that she's in his mind because her nose is not bleeding after taking off the headband. <gasps> I didn't even catch that. I, me neither. Oh, man. Oh, heck. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. That was a really good detail. I like that. Um, and she starts yelling for somebody, except she only yells for Mike. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> come on. And... Billy walks out of her room and you see like this like creepy baby picture on the little table that's next to the door and I'm like, what is that? I'm like, what's happening? That's supposed to be baby Hopper. Hopper on a baby picture of himself up or something. Yeah. Or or it could be his daughter. Oh yeah, I guess. It was like a baby though. It looked weird. <laughs> Robin said, for Robin's a baby. like, I want to bully a baby today. Some babies are weird looking. I think we can all agree. <laughs> it's true. So Billy's in the room with her now and he says that they can all see where they are now. All of them are heading to Steelworks, like all of the flayed, and they're including like a bunch of random people that we've never seen. Mm-hmm. I am so deeply sad for this, for their families. Yeah. Like this little freaking kid, like how did this happen to him? It makes me like, it. I already wanted to cry watching like Tom and Janet getting attacked by this thing and knowing that all of these people have gone through it, like that little kid had to go through that is absolutely horrifying to me. Yeah. Was there, I can't remember, was there ever like something that said that they could be like snapped out of that? Or is it like once they're taken, they're taken? I don't think we ever see anybody get snapped out of it. Okay. Yeah. Like the the implication is that they could, could. possibly because Will was. Right. And also but. like Billy kind of is at the very end. Yeah. But like this is different. Being flayed is like different than what Will was. Yeah. Wasn't. I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's like worse. It takes up, up more of your mind, I think. Yeah. And, like, the little kid who shouts, like, Adam makes me so sad. He does such a good job, and I'm like, sir, I'm so sorry that this happened to your best friend or, or your brother or whatever. Every kid on that show works their butts off. So I think this means that, like, at the end of this season, all of these people are dead. And all yeah. of those people in the hospital are dead. Like, the other seasons did not have these, like, city-wide consequences. Yeah. And, like, we don't see that. Like, we get a, like, flash, a small, like, flash forward, like, a little time jump at the end of season mm-hmm. three. Or, like, yeah, at the end of this season. And I'm like, excuse me, but what happened to, like, 
ten uh, percent uh, of the town that is just dead now. Yeah, yeah. like they're gonna have to have like mass memorials. Like yeah. it's gonna, it's literally a town tragedy. And the worst part is like no one's gonna be able to explain it. Exactly. I was about to say yeah. like like you can kind of like explain away what's happened before, but like how do you explain? half all of these casualties i have no idea and exactly they don't, and they don't say i wonder if they'll say next season I exactly i would like for them to but this show isn't really great on that kind of consistency mm. so billy says that she let them in um like when she opened the gate as a kid i guess and now we're staying and we've been building all of this for you Ugh. so is that like a like for you to like is it a gift or is it for like it's, for you I think to it's to it's kill her. Oh, to yeah. kill. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, we're gonna end you, and then your friends, and we're gonna kill everybody. And Billy has this like one single tear that falls down his face, which is like so haunting. And like my head canon is that like that's the real Billy trying to like get out. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. In that like one moment, like he doesn't want to be saying these things. He doesn't want all these people to die. You know, um, fully. Because like Billy was an asshole. He was a terrible person, but he wasn't a murderer. Mm-hmm. That's true. He wasn't... Of the things he was, he was not that. Yeah. And so she actually rips off her blindfold for real, and everyone is there, and Mike is there to, like, comfort her. Can you imagine being told that, like, you're the sole reason that, like, hundreds of people are dying? Right. That'd be horrifying. Right, and did die. Yeah. You know? All of the flayed of Hawkins, including Heather and her mom, all come downstairs. They, like, break into goo without without <laughs> being dead. And, like, I had thought that Mrs. Driscoll was already glue, because um, Tom was, like, covered in blood and she was gone. But we kind of made it make sense that, like, he had been killing all of the people in the hospital. Yeah, he had, like, because he had to murder all the orderlies and all of that stuff. There was work to be done. Yeah. Okay, so he wasn't killing Driscoll. He was just killing a bunch of other people. And Driscoll got away to Steelworks. I love that she was like, I have to go back, I have to go back. And then eventually she did. She did. Oh, no. And so, yeah, I always say this thing about Driscoll, but seeing this happen to Driscoll really scares me. She reminds me of my grandma. She looks like my grandma. And so, like, I genuinely have to look away at most of these She did. When we watched it yesterday, she looked away. Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, I will burst into tears. It's true. And then, so every time another person joins it, it grows every time and it's like huge and it looks like the actual mind flayer, except now it's like in our world and not in the upside down. Because in the upside down, it just kind of looked like a shadow monster. Yeah. And this is what I guess it like actually looks like, which is um, terrifying. I think it looks so, cool. Yeah. Long episode. Yeah. They uh, only get was, longer. <laughs> this was lengthy. Yeah. Um, but good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like they don't waste any time. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, it's so long that I'm like, could we not have just had another episode? <laughs> you know? But they all they all have a really good, like, arc to an episode, so, like, I'm not gonna yell at them. I'm just, uh... <laughs> probably could have had another episode. Just add a couple little deleted scenes, you know? So now it's time for our segments. Uh, my first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. I got a couple Good Guy Steve Alerts for you. Good Guy Steve Alert! Steve tells Dustin to run and get away <laughs> and sacrifices himself. Yes. Ugh. Good Guy Steve Alert! Steve tries to comfort Robin when he thinks that she's crying. He's a nice boy. It's true, it's true. Good guy Steve alert. Steve knows that he was a bad guy before and he's actively tried to be better. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I know that about him. And that's my and that's my segment. Thank you. He's so remarkable. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy, Steve. <laughs> and my segment is how annoying was Jonathan? He wasn't annoying at all, actually. Like zero out of ten. I am truly yeah, didn't, didn't bug me. loving this. I know. That Brittany was like, I'm gonna give him a 10 every episode, and then every episode Brittany's like, uh, like a 2? Season 2, he was at his most annoying. Yeah, no, yeah, that's season true. Two that's his most annoying season. That's definitely true. Like, I'm sorry to any Jonathan stands. I hate him. <laughs> we know. We know! What do they say? <laughs> what is that? Is that Hercules? 
<laughs> we know. Wait, maybe. Isn't that the fates? It might be. I haven't seen Hercules in years. I feel like Hades says something and they go, we know, because they know the, they know the, the future. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. I say that all the time. <laughs> uh, my segment is, did Jopper acknowledge their obvious history? And uh, I'm going to say yes, they did. Actively they, fed They actively episode. agreed that they had children together, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, just that great shot of her, like, shoving him out of the way of the yeah. door. It's just, it's just, it's just some good stuff. Uh, and now it's time for our Best Line Award. My Best Line Award goes to Dustin and Erica for... So you believe everything about L and the gate and the Demodogs and the Mind Flayer, but you question your brother's involvement? That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> I love her. Honestly, it's mostly for the way that she that she delivers that line. It's massive. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I love her. And mine goes to Murray for... I don't understand what he's saying. I thought you were fluent. Oh, I'm sorry. Are my free translation services not good enough for you? Because you can just go ahead and file your complaint right up my ass. <laughs> I, like, as we were watching it, I forget everything. So as we were watching it, I was like, oh, I hope he says that it's up his ass. And then he did. <laughs> and my favorite line award goes to Alexi and Murray for... Yeah, Alexi in Russian says, Tell that stupid man it is not the same in the slightest, and I would like the cherry I requested. He respectfully disagrees. I just thought it was so funny that uh, Alexi just brazenly called him so stupid. <laughs> that stupid man. <laughs> that <Yeah>. stupid man. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I know Murray, and I know that he is not afraid to be inflammatory and so i think it's funny that he's like he says no <laughs> no he's like i don't want him to get shot yeah so thank you so much for listening to this episode our music is terminal by good news tunes please if you're so inclined write us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to this uh we'd really appreciate that if you're a fan of the hundred we like to talk about that show too uh rob and i are currently covering season three uh it sure is something Yes, seasons four and four to seven are already done on that feed. We watched them as we were going, and now we're just going back to do uh, the good times. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. We've covered, like, all five seasons, and whenever it comes back, we'll keep doing it. It's stupid, and we love it. Hmm. By the time this comes out, it's either it has come out finally again, or it's about to, so that's exciting. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we have done uh, the first two seasons and we are over halfway through season three. It is our longest and most in-depth podcast. It is also spoiler-free with a spoiler section at the end, so you can watch along with us for the first time if you like. And we also have guests over there. Truly that podcast is my pride and joy, so um, go check it out, it would mean a lot to me. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that whole franchise. We covered season one of Star Trek Picard and we have Intentions to do season two of Star Trek Picard. Whenever that comes out, I'm waiting for a trailer. Hands emoji. Give me a trailer. Well, I mean, we've had a trailer, but I want I want a bigger trailer. <laughs> you can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly on Twitter, but Robin does make gifts for our favorite line awards, so if you want a gif of Tell That Stupid Man yeah. <laughs> that this icy is wrong, then uh, go check it out. Yeah. 
Uh, and like I said before, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, woof, it is expensive. Um, I mentioned all of the tiers that we have earlier. Um, if you can't do Patreon, check out shoppylux.com. If not, recommend us to a friend. All of those podcasts back there are recommendable, as well as this one. And, uh, yeah, we would really appreciate it. Thank you. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. Pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-U-I-S. Our next episode is episode 307. It is The Bite, the penultimate episode. Um, it comes out on September 22nd, but it'll be on Patreon on September 15th. So you are definitely going to want to check out our Patreon. Nice. Thanks for listening. We love you. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.